Hi, I'm Tisha. Hi, I'm Juanita. And I'm Kim. And we're here with Off the Shelf, a casual talk podcast where we break down books about spirituality and self-growth that resonate with us. We're working in alignment with BubblesInBooks.com, a monthly subscription service that offers the books and handmade bath and body items for your self-care. And so in today's episode, we are talking about the book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, How to Lose Your Mind and Create a New One by Joe Dispenza. And a little background on Dr. Joe Dispenza. So he first caught the public eyes after being featured in the award-winning film, What the Bleep Do We Know? And he is a chiropractor, researcher, and New York Times bestselling author. Through his research, he explores the science behind spontaneous remissions to empower people to change from the inside out. So he can, he combines the fields of quantum physics, neuroscience, brain chemistry, biology, and genetics, all that. Uh, and he explores the effect of meditation on how people can heal themselves of chronic conditions and even terminal diseases. Um, and in the, f- the field of epigenetics, too, is that we might have genes for a certain thing. And are we turning those genes on or can we keep them dormant? So it, ge- it kind of empowers you with, with how you're feeling, what you're doing internally yourself. So in this particular book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, he is saying you're not doomed by your genes and hardwired to be a certain way for the rest of your life. So that's great news for anyone um, that this whole field, new emerging field, that uh, human beings, we are empowered to create a reality that we are choosing. But we already knew that, right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Intuitively. So I also have to say, every time I hear the word epigenetics, I immediately think of Juanita. I don't know if you're supposed to be studying that or something, but you always come to mind when I hear that word because it's so fascinating. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And the fact that um, you know some about my family history and how that has affected all of us um, coming down generations. So yeah, true enough. All right. So he starts out by saying this book is to prove we are divine creators. True Mm -hmm. empowerment comes when we become aware of our beliefs. And I got a lot out of this book, but it was pretty heavy science. There's a lot of brain information, which is always helpful to know. Like I do appreciate understanding how things work, but also at the same Mm -hmm. time, it's like, That's a lot of information. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty dense. And for someone who really needs that kind of scientific backup for a lot of these things, who likes the science and the biology, I think you would be extremely interested in that, that piece of it. Um, if, if you're someone that kind of believes in it, you could cruise through the book a little faster and focus on the exercises he gives. The, he, he really walks you through a lot of the changing of the habits, that habit of being ourselves, meaning what we've talked about in a lot of these episodes is, is our human self, the egoic, constructs that we have, our fears and our worries and and rewiring that and the ability to rewire that. So we have talked about this in across all of the episodes that I know I have rewired my brain because I will actually expect a response that never comes because I was so used to having that response. And now I can actually notice that I don't have that response anymore. And I'm like, Oh my God, I rewired my brain. Mm -hmm. I also have to say two things. One, today I was going to send Juanita uh, Jeff Warren's daily trip because it was about repetitiveness and why it needs to keep repeating. I forgot what the title was, but it was so in line with what I was already thinking. Mm -hmm. And then just a small side note. So when I was on vacation with my brother, we were driving and we were bored. So we did this game of I went to the market and I bought A and then proceeded to go through the whole list of the alphabet. So it was like a back and forth, like just a dumb kid game that I used to play. A month and a half later, I can still remember every single word on that list in order. 
there was one word I wasn't sure of, and my hand wrote it with more confidence than my brain had in remembering what the word was. I I was texting everybody involved in that, like, you you won't (laughs) believe this. I still remember this. Like, I... It's in my brain probably forever. I'm going to keep testing myself every month just to see wow. how much I've retained. I don't remember why I walked into the other room. Like I can't remember <laughs> where I, you know, where I put things, but those words, 26 words, 26 letters of the alphabet are ingrained in my brain forever. So, do, do you think that part of that was because you were having so much fun while you were doing it? Yeah, I mean, there's certain words I remember just because my sister-in-law's t- inflection when she said it or like the laugh that we had, that absolutely helped. But we had repeated it so often that day and then the days that followed because we were ridiculously having fun with it that I couldn't believe. And in fact, I texted her and said, this is what I talk about meditation and the repetition of meditation because it really that repetition is what changes your brain. Yeah, and the the fact that we can build that muscle. You can. So things may seem very difficult at first, and this applies to a lot in life. Things seem very difficult at first, but then we strengthen that muscle, becomes more automatic, and this is what this book attempts to help someone with. Yeah. That's funny because I actually thought I haven't been being consistent with the Calm app and doing the meditations. But this morning, I it crossed my mind that I should take a few minutes and do it. So I wonder if it was at the same time that you were having the thought probably. <laughs> to share with me. Honest to God, probably. <laughs> because I often think about when those things come to me and I'm thinking, well, I should share this. I often wonder, is it just because somebody needs to be reminded of it? Like, So I'll do better. Yeah. I will keep doing it then if I think of it. Well, that can kind of connects to, I wrote down quantum entanglement, mm-hmm. where he talks about two particles linked in some way beyond space and time. Yeah. That- and anything done to one, uh, what, what my notes doesn't make any sense. Anything <laughs> done to one, done to the other. <laughs> don't worry, Juanita. A lot of my notes don't make sense. So while you're reading, I'm trying to like, what, what do I have in here? That's not a scribble. <laughs> Basically saying we're all particles and we're all connected. Obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually, someone brought to my attention the other day that the word universe means like one verse, one word, one, you know, whatever. One thing. Yes. Yes. Why didn't I ever put two and two together there before? Me. (laughs) Sounds like a chicken joke. Oh, brother. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We, speaking of bulking. Uh, like a chicken, we bulk at change until things get really bad. Mm. We wait for a crisis to embrace true change. So that makes a lot of sense and that a lot of people come to their awakening, their self-improvement, their midlife crisis uh, at a time when they're just over it. Instead of like taking a proactive approach to kind of understanding better and then doing better, right? And I, he said this, practice so you don't talk yourself out of greatness. Love that. Should be on a t-shirt. <laughs> that is a t-shirt. <laughs> Say that again. We Practice. Practice so you don't talk yourself out of greatness. Mm, that's profound. Right? Yeah. Yes. The brain is going to try and logically tamp down your expectations on everything or your aspirations just to keep you safe. Because what if, what if you don't go where you want to go or do what you want to do, then you won't be disappointed. And that's the false voice of the ego Mm -hmm. that we have to be aware of. And one of the things I wrote down too is basically he's saying changing our thoughts by overthought overhauling our thoughts or climbing over the ego to that point of make sure it doesn't talk you out of greatness, we can put our thoughts on the right track to shape our destiny and tap into that universe and how everything's interconnected. So it's willful intention, like you say, yes, this is the time of my life. I want to do this. I want to learn this. He adds the new knowledge, so he's going to tell us stuff to be able to do that. And then we use our mind to have experiences in life that improve 
our experience in life. Mm-hmm. And I and I appreciated the reminder of, and I feel like um, Abraham Hicks talks about this too, about not having any expectation of what it's going to be or look like, Ooh. but know that it's coming. Let me tell you yeah. what. So actually, I wrote down change efforts fail because things don't work out as we want. So then we just establish beliefs that it can't be done, right? This is like the whole crux of the last week of my life, trying to shift that mindset. What if it all works out better than I can imagine, right? And I just only had to say that to myself a couple times. I mean, I had to do it like every few minutes too, (laughs) but to feel the shift of that, like, yeah, what if it does work out? And Mm -hmm. I can believe that I'm supported and all this stuff that these people are saying repeatedly over and over and over, I still as we all do, struggle with the doubt. But I've been really, really, really focused on exactly this for like the last week. And it's been so wonderful. And there's a great expression uh, that goes like this. Uh, I believe that what is for me will find me and what is not for me will miss me, which is a great way of saying, I trust the universe. I'm going to do work that seems right for me. I'm going to move in ways that seem right, that put me towards the goal. But I'm going to trust by letting go of the outcomes that, you know, what is for me and any greatness might be different than what I planned. So things that become brick walls, maybe it's not for me. And thing, and then there, all of a sudden there's an open doorway somewhere and maybe you're being redirected in that direction. And so something becomes easier because it's really for you. Right. Example that he used about his daughter manifesting going to yeah. Italy. And he, he basically says, you know, she wants to go to, was it Italy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was yeah. Italy. It was Italy, you know, f- fully paid for, blah, blah, blah. But then she finds out that um, there's a way she can go and it's going to be cheaper as it could have been. And he's like, you know, that's not what your um, intention or your vision was. I would have thought that I was helping that along. Uh, you know, yeah. You know what I'm trying to yeah. say? Like, oh, here's this opportunity. Maybe it, maybe I can't go for free, but I can go for cheaper. That's better than nothing. Yeah. And your dad shuts <laughs> you down. And then you could feel like, oh, well, what's the point? Blah, blah, blah. And immediately <laughs> yeah. go into your pity party. But what, what he told her was go back to the drawing board. Imagine it exactly how you see it, you know, free. And then what happened? She got to go for free. <laughs> a couple of days later. Actually, she got paid, I think. Yeah. yeah, she was like asked to be a teacher for months. And she got to go to like six cities in six weeks or something and didn't pay anything and also made money on top of it. Mm-hmm. Kim, will you will you share your story about your post-it note? Oh, oh, my post-it note. Yeah, yeah. I was almost like, oh, geez, on the air, I'm going to have to say, get, uh, get, tell me more. I don't know what you're talking about. No, I do. I do know what you're talking about. So so I just had a perfect experience where I saw locally that an organization got a new CEO, and I thought, well, I would love to work with that organization for Coach on Call or, or, or coaching in the organization. Um, it's healthcare, so a lot of stressed employees, doctors, staff, all of that. And lo and behold, I go give this talk at at the American Heart Association, the chapter near me, and there was some follow-up and I met people there. And the one uh, person who came up to me afterwards was a doctor. And she said, "You, I just loved your talk. And this was so great. I was talking about burnout. She said, it just resonated so much with me. I'm going to talk to my, um, I have a, a meeting with my new boss and I, I'm, I'm going to use this as an icebreaker to talk about it. So I followed up with her afterwards and uh, had a chance to meet up with her. And I said, here are some more cards. And we talked and she said, I did. Oh, good. Cause I gave your card to my supervisor. I said, I hear you have a new CEO. And she goes, that's who I was talking to. Wow. And I had put, so the post-it note part was I had obviously put that on a post-it note and I stuck it to my computer. Yeah. And my card ended up in that woman's hands, like in the same week. Yeah. Wow. So that's a perfect example. Yeah. 
So I knew that was going to come into play here. That was perfect. <laughs> so I want to I want to just note this one part before we get off on the rest of it is the reason why a lot of people don't understand this is because it's conditioned out of us early. We've talked about mm-hmm. that endlessly in almost every book we've ever done. What I just learned in this book was that back in the day when they were doing all the research, Rene Descartes, who is a French philosopher and scientist, I don't know if, I, I'm not sure where he comes into play, but <laughs> they mentioned him, how mm-hmm. matter, when they were studying matter, matter and mind were the two things that they were studying at the time, right? And so matter was science. So scientists began to explore that. The mind was considered an instrument of God. So all of those studies fell to religion. And that's where the divide came between science and and the religious part, you know. So now we're all talking about spirituality and how science can back it up. But it's always been able to back it up. It's just that we made that divide. And then that's how the whole conditioning and all that other stuff happened. So fun fact. Wow, that's crazy. That is really interesting and a good, good piece. Yeah. Yeah. Following up on that, he mentions Pavlov's dogs. So so some people may have heard of that before, where basically feeding the dog, you ring a bell, you feed the dogs, they get fed. Then after a while, that study shows that the dogs will hear the bell and salivate. Mm -hmm. It's not about them seeing the food and then they salivate. They now know the bell means that they're going to get fed. And how this relates to the stuff that he's talking about in this book is we, our bodies will start to respond automatically. So in what ways will our bodies start to respond to the kinder thoughts, the more aspirational thoughts that we have, as opposed to where we know our brain is drawn to with that negativity bias, which is, you know, we can't turn off our brain from being headed to our problems. But we can. It just takes intention. Mm-hmm. So before we go on, I want to create a visual that was important to me. He said that you broadcast a specific pattern of energy. And so your thoughts can change that energy from moment to moment. So whatever you're thinking. So I, that was a very helpful visual to me. That's scientifically proven. You could use like whatever kind of technology to see the vibrating patterns around your body, you know, your aura, all of that stuff. So whenever you have a thought that actually changes the little ripples that are outside your body, if you can imagine it that way. And Mm -hmm. so every time you have a thought, if it's a bad thought, imagine all those like vibes just like dropping off of you. Or imagine you have a good thought and then they get bigger and wider and go out into the world, right? Is that helpful? That's very. Yeah, I made a note in connection with that. And I I said, we never think of our thoughts and feelings as actual physical things, but they send electrical signals out into the atmosphere. So that's like makes it more than and it helps me connect it in more than an abstract way. Yes. Yeah, there's been a lot of stuff of videos I've been seeing recently on um, Instagram where People are using like this, the voiceover of the reel about how the thought you think actually affects a star at the edge of the universe or something at the exact same time. But people think that's so absolutely ridiculous. But why, why is it so ridiculous? Like we are walking, talking, thinking. <laughs> podcasting people. It's crazy. Speaking of podcasting, I was just going to say, I see you all while we're talking because we're video conferencing. That sounded super crazy to someone at some point. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes, exactly. (laughs) When we watched the Jetsons, we were like, oh, that's so silly. Yeah. Well, so (laughs) that's how prayer comes into play, right? You know, we all have different words for it. We could do like intention setting, prayer, whatever, but it's sending that intention out into the universe. So this is a little woo-woo for me. He was talking about um, a science experiment with these patients who had sepsis. They were divided into three groups. They prayed for this group. They didn't pray for this group. I forget what happened to the third group. And... Long story short, all like the people who got prayed for got better, faster, lasted longer. And then there was a twist in the story that they were all past patients from like a span of 20 years or 10 years or something. And the prayers of the future worked for the people in the past. Right. So it's a lot to get my head around. But if I believe all the rest of the energy parts of it, 
Makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. I wrote that down too. It was 10 years. <laughs> and <laughs> um, he talked about all potentials existing simultaneously. Like I, I think I, of how we say that our we haven't tapped into the potentials of our brain. And I think that's part of why we can't even wrap our minds around that thought. <laughs> well, if you think about it and you see a sci-fi movie, right? Where that's the whole point of the story. There's like three parallel universes. And you're like, this is entertainment. You know, that idea had to come from somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So however you believe it, however it makes sense to you, at least be open, you know, to understanding it. But when you're watching the movie, then certain things end and immediately all your conditioning comes out. Well, that couldn't happen. Like Wally. Have you seen Disney's Wally? Where he's like in no man's land, this poor little robot. And meanwhile, everybody else is on a spaceship, all fat and lazy and doing absolutely nothing for themselves. (laughs) Yes. We we laugh at it, but, you know, we're really not that far off, right? Profound. Hey, a movie I actually did see when you mentioned it. (laughs) I tend to go, no, I didn't see that movie. I saw that one. Well... In def- definitely one of the things that it has been a repeating theme, it's worth repeating, it's worth everyone hearing this, is he talks about the stress mode, our survival mode, right? We, we need, we need resources, we need shelter, and like a deer is grazing in the forest, and then they, they are alert to danger, danger comes along, and they have the flight and, f- flight and, f- uh, fright, no. Flight and flight, f- f- fight, fight and freeze. I, I don't know. Just finding this a tongue twister today, and and so that's a natural part of our our reality as well. But we don't want to be in that stress response, and too many of us are in that stress response too much, and we have this chemistry going on. This that that fight or flight when we feel that way because we're perceiving a threat but it's like modern stress it's not like a threat to our our living uh it it's it's stressing our heart it's our immune system can't keep up with the repairs it becomes maladaptive as opposed to adaptive and so we are re-experiencing and pre-experiencing harmful stress. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. We as humans then are re-experiencing this damaging stress in our thoughts and pre-experiencing it when we're worried about it because logically this might happen. And this harmful stress, our bodies cannot keep up with repairing. And this is where we're starting to find a lot of uh, undue stress on our bodies. Yeah, which leads to dis-ease in your body. So like anger, Mm -hmm. fear, your heart beats crazy, heart palpitations are like the side effect of like all of these negative, negative emotions. But when you're enjoying love, your heart is in coherence, as he says it. So you can imagine that when something delights you or whatever, you feel that swell in your heart, like you physically Mm -hmm. feel it. You're not imagining that. Yeah, that too, worth repeating. Because at first, because I don't do too well with scientific or biological information, sometimes I like zone out around those parts. But the coherence is an important aspect. It's like that. So what you said, Tisha, about that heart, that feeling that we have is because it's, it's like beating in alignment coherently. And then disease when they see, they can see the heart waves. Right. And and then when we are stressed and it's like beating off and not coherent. Yeah. So the conditioning is like, let's go for an EKG. There's this, oh, this means your health or whatever. And and looking deeper, you can imagine like, shit, my energy field is so far off. Or when you start thinking it like that, when you say shift your energy, like it, it makes a lot more sense to me anyway. Keeping your thoughts clear, having your passion, send, you know, staying passionate about what you love. Uh, gives out a stronger signal to bring what you want, which is 
manifestation, of course, everybody's mm-hmm. like, how come am I manifesting? Why am I not manifesting? What can I manifest? Right? Or as mm-hmm. you used to say, my manifestor's broken. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, I will humbly say that I have said that more times than I <laughs> am proud to admit. <laughs> but it's true. And this is where I am now in this place of a whole new understanding. Right? Like, that's what this whole week's been about. What if things work out better than I can imagine? I want to read this passage that he wrote. Our manifestations should astonish us in the way they come about. We shouldn't be able to predict how. They must catch us off off guard and wake us from routine reality. Leave us with no doubt that our consciousness made connection with field of intelligence. Now, I know you guys have manifested some stuff that's shocked the hell out of you. You've probably even texted me and said, oh my God, you won't even believe what just happened. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what we're talking about. You know, Kim's CEO story. I know Juanita has a hundred stories about those things where and, and what he kind of branched off into there is instead of living in a cause and effect world, we have to start thinking of it as causing an effect. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's a t-shirt. That is a t-shirt. <laughs> and if, if too, there are so many things that could be forgotten about that, but that's a great catchy way to remember yeah. this instead of mm-hmm. thinking about cause and effect think about causing an effect. And how to do that is to surrender, to be surprised. Oh my God, that means letting go of control. I am a number one. Oh no, I'm a we number can't one. do that. Yes. Ah, I, the ego's like, I'm melting, I'm melting. <laughs> the ego doesn't like that at all. But it gets better. It gets easier. It becomes more natural if, you know, with practice, whatever I said about practice earlier. Gratitude, um, being, he suggests being grateful for what you have. Give thanks for it before it even occurs. So that really has no choice but to manifest in your experience because you've already felt those feelings of gratitude and thank, you know, appreciation. Mm-hmm. Gratitude transmits signals that the event has already happened. So you feel like it's in your reality. Do you know how long it took me to understand what that means? <laughs> Yeah, like this week yeah. I finally got it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and like and like everything else, you'll probably have to revisit it at some point in the future. Yeah, well, I felt <laughs> But it's sh- all good. Yeah, well, I felt the shift and then I just tried to I just committed to staying with that, right? Kim can explain my journey from whole oh, man to oh my gosh, <laughs> the energy shift, but you know, that's just how it works sometimes. All right. Let's see. What other? We're we're like a half hour in already. <laughs> Not even on chapter two. <laughs> I know. I I think he he does go deep. One of the things I was thinking too is to your point and to pick up on that too is think or dream greater than we've ever known. And when we do that, it's a freedom. And then in the context of how he's approaching it with that biology and as a doctor, he's approaching it too. I think this would give us, it gives us more freedom, more permission to do it. Like he's saying, this is healthy for your body to do this. It's, it's good because it connects, you know, there's energy with your thoughts and, a power in that, but also there's an alleviation of your physical burdens in that. Right. So uh, a how-to on that, right, would be thinking, I'm going to be the world's greatest trapeze artist, right? And you feel what that feels like to be in front of the audience, traveling with the circus, whatever those things that come up, right? But it cannot immediately be followed by, I could never be a trapeze artist. I have to work. I have to, you know, that's Mm -hmm. where we trip ourselves up by falling into reality. Mm -hmm. And it's a natural thing. And let me add too, that is, you're using that trapeze artist uh, inspiration, not just blanketly. It's like if it's in you, and it feels right to you, there's probably a reason it feels right to you. So when you have dreams and aspirations to to let them empower you to, yeah, think, visualize, 
want, even ponder and getting curious, like, wow, I don't know why, but this feels right for me. Yeah. What would it feel like to be flying high on the trapeze? And I picked it because it's a little ridiculous, right? Most people say, I want to be this or that. But if you believe that you can do it, then, you know, that's where the achievement comes in. Look at any successful person who said, I manifested my first acting role or my first singing mm-hmm. gig or my first whatever. You take that, okay? You accept that, like, oh, they did this, but yet you can't do it for yourself. And it's taking your brain attention and awareness away from the thing, the stress responses, the stress thoughts that are making us sick, sick with disease. So one of the things he says is break the bonds of familiar life, retrain away from resentment. And I specifically wrote that thing because I want people to think about that from a brain retraining. Our brain naturally goes to something like resentment, something we're resentful for. But we have to continue to pull our brains away from that. It's not healthy for us. Yep. Do the same things, you get the same results. And I've been kind of stuck in that too. And to like yesterday, I was like, yeah, you keep doing the same stuff. You're going to keep getting the same stuff. And it's how many times have we heard that, right? Definition of it's insanity. Insanity. (laughs) Well, I wrote down that feeling. He said, feelings are the language of the body and your thoughts are the language of the brain. And both have to be doing the same thing for things to manifest for you. You can't think that you're are going to be a trapeze artist, but you don't really feel it, it's not going to come. It's not going to manifest if if your feelings and your thoughts don't merge. Right. And and do do pick something. That's an example, but like pick something that is authentic for you. It's coming to you because then that's a piece (laughs) of it. Well, and I, and again, I picked trapeze artists because even if it doesn't make sense to other people, but it makes sense for you, That that's your sign, right? Like mm-hmm. go for it and then find other trapeze artists who get it, you know, instead mm-hmm. of just hanging around with the bankers and the lawyers who are like, what is wrong with you? Oh, uh, man, this came up even in coaching this week. It's so important to to tell people and in clients, and I've said this, I've experienced this in my own life. We cannot continually seek approval for that which feels right to us because someone is well-intentioned and looking at it through their own lens. And it might be completely wrong for that other person and they don't get it and they don't really need to get it for you to get it. Right. And it's the world is full of examples of that. If, if I was waiting for, um, you know, tons of approval when I wanted to be a coach, I probably wouldn't be a coach because people could, can only look, the people that were close in my inner circle could only look through their own lens and it maybe seemed risky and it didn't make sense. And to me, it made a lot of sense. The three of us sitting here in my mind, I can go through like 27 examples between the three of us of how this is in real life. But that's sort of also a bonding experience for all three of us and probably why we all relate so well to each other because we were able to say, oh, I want to be a trapeze artist. And we didn't laugh or we were like, go for it. Like, where's circuit school? (laughs) Whatever Whatever the situation may be. (laughs) And then we even found each other because of that too. So that piece also for people to break out of the bond of that, you know, you're just around all the same people and that net of people that you have in your life and it's supposed to stay the same your whole life. No, it's not. So you do want to, when you tap into something, be around other people that do get it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, for a long time have always like kind of, uh, in trying to find my purpose, I look, I would look and see others finding their purpose. And then I would go, Oh, how'd you do that? Or I'm going to try that. How'd you f- find that workout? I'm going to try that workout because I saw them being successful at it without. And then finally coming to <laughs> a realization, like everything that's for everybody else is not for me. And I need to be focused more on, on me. 
and and that internal guidance on that. But mm-hmm. the world is so noisy that it's really hard. This is where meditation can come in because you've got to tap into that. And also mm-hmm. he knows that when you try to break the patterns that are holding you back, the internal the internal chatter gets louder and louder. Like so you have to go in there and shut it up. Right. This is where it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the last four chapters of the book is probably like about meditation and meditation examples and stuff. And, you know, as part of the slightly unmeditated channel, I think we all can relate to struggling to quiet your mind or struggling to, you know, it's been a daily practice for me for a very long time. And now things are just becoming more clear. Like, yeah, you know, it's it's not something you're going to change overnight, but it's something you're never going to change if you don't do it. Yeah. And and just to say that he does have an example of his specific um, approach to uh, a meditation on um, YouTube. So if anybody wants to look it up and try it, I'll out. try and find it and link it somewhere on social media. All right. Can we move to the body? We did do some mind stuff. We're already like. 37 minutes in chapter <laughs> chapter two. Um, okay. I'm always fascinated when I'm reminded about all the chemical reactions that go from your brain into your body. As a person who writes medical content for a living, like I'm always writing about these things, hormones and all this stuff. And then yet when it comes to real life, I forget this is why my body is reacting in certain ways. And I was kind of laughing at one part where he was talking about guilt So like people, and I think this is an emotion people can resonate with a lot where, you know, if you're always feeling guilty about something or another, your body just starts to produce guilt chemicals. And then no matter what the situation is, when things go wrong, you automatically start pleading guilty to everything, even though you have nothing to do with the situation, if anybody can relate to that. But it made me laugh where he said always constantly pleading guilty because I felt that immediately, like, I'm sorry, oh my gosh, and being like empathic, and I feel everybody else's stuff, I'm always feeling bad for everybody else. And I'm becoming more aware of how other people's reactions affect my body. So I'm just curious if you guys pay attention to that a little bit more with your knowledge. Yeah, watch the go-to's. The stress go-to's, and that's one of them. A stress go-to is something's off and you you feel guilty because you've, you've got that emotion sending that chemical, that, that synapse or whatever is connecting. And it makes me think too, my dad uh, is uh, deaf in one ear. And when we were kids, it's like he would just hear a noise and he'd go, what's the matter? And I go, why is it, why is it all the matter? But it was almost like he hears things that he can't completely hear and he's thinking something was wrong, right? So what is our stress go to? Do we have those types of things where if something's off? Catastrophizing. Is there a pattern that we can follow and then maybe work our way out of it, become conscious of it? Yeah. Retrain it. Catastrophizing is my go to. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot uh, in the last few months, I've been shouting no very loudly at random moments throughout the day because I would catch myself ruminating and I would just say, nope, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. And it would break it. It would break the cycle. So now it's becoming less, it only takes like one no maybe to interrupt my brain instead of the 37 no's, right? That's great. And that's a simple technique right there that you just shared with everybody. Yeah. Well, he noted that chatter, the chatter in your head starts to derail you from change. Your mind is even at times trying to make you feel like a loser or blame others so that your mind can return to its quote unquote normal state. And that's why feeling bad feels so good. Hmm. Yes, we have a culture of feeling bad feels good. And we need to recognize that and catch that and retrain that. Yep. So every time you catastrophize, Mm -hmm. your body is literally releasing chemicals that tells your body that like, hey, we're this is where we are right now, even when it's not true. That's why we have anxiety. Your body's releasing chemicals because your body remembers like, oh, this is how you reacted before. Which is just mind-blowing because so many people Mm -hmm. have anxiety. Like 40 million people have an anxiety disorder in the United States alone. You know, 40 million people. And that's just diagnosed people. It speaks to why it's even growing because if there's this, we can see this biological training, it's growing. We're, We're making it more of an ingrained habit every day. 
Yeah. As human beings, as human beings, it's like a, a, a modern epidemic. Yeah. It's a problem. So I think learning this has helped my anxiety, just to say. It's not cured. I still have moments, but it's way less so. But it's been a daily, every single day practice to get that, you know, working. If you need medicine, great. I'm absolutely, I've been on it. It's worked. Like, I get it. But there's also that accountability I felt I needed to kind of ease it myself. People are saying meditation helps with anxiety. So I'm like, well, I have to, I have to at least try it. Right. Absolutely. And see what that muscle or see even observing your thoughts, see how far you, you may be able to go with that is not being those thoughts, but seeing those thoughts. Yep. Yeah. Even I'm, I'm one of those people you talk about, um, that, experiences anxiety and just talking about it just now made me feel anxious physically <laughs> in my stomach and my heart started beating fast and I'm like okay breathe yeah and you're okay <laughs> the power of suggestion right so mm-hmm. that's you know that's just those moments that you're aware of it right you didn't just let your body freak out and take it over you talked about it you said this is what was happening you didn't try to like shut it down Perfect. Like that's where (laughs) this start of it is, you know. If we believe we are creators of our reality, then living in the past just keeps us going in circles. So I have all these visuals in my head from these little nuggets of information that I picked up from the book. And I can just, that's literally how I feel some days where I'm just walking around in a circle with my heart beating really fast and I don't feel good. And I don't want to do that anymore. Right? Anyone else? Sorry, like we're nodding, but no one's saying anything. Absolutely, it was so profound that we had a moment of silence after that. Yeah, no, we don't want to do that. None of us wants to do that. We don't want to be stuck. Yeah. All right. So there's a whole lot of information about genes, which I think is so exciting and interesting to learn because it's, again, something that stays in my mind that makes me feel less at fault for the things that happen sometimes, where uh, basically he said the myth that genes create disease, but they're actually learning through science that um, environmental frac- factors are what actually activate and deactivate your genes. And so a lot of the information that he was talking about was just really fascinating. And unfortunately, I don't think we have enough time to even cover any of it. So if you have... But maybe we can touch on the three, body, time, yep. and environment, okay. and how... I don't know that I can do a good job because my handwriting's so messy on my notes for this, <laughs> is that he, these were like the big three to pay attention to, like how we feel in our body, how we feel motivated by time, like really negatively. Like we have this really negative response to there's not enough time, there's not enough time. And then environmental stimuli outside of us, all those things that might irritate us or make us fear, fear, fearful or frustrated. I'm sorry. I didn't know. if <laughs> She just froze. I don't. And I it's actually done. wasn't frozen. I was just I frozen. Like, can so, you all help me explain that? Like, so I, <laughs> um, that? you might have to repeat exactly what you said, but I was just thinking about, I, I just saw a note where we can re train our genes just like we can our mind and if you want to repeat what you said exactly maybe i have the answer down here well i think what he was just saying so to be not to overcomplicate it to make it simpler is right. think about body time and environment and if we thought about that and we thought about stressors or how we're perceiving our environment, we want to make sure we feel good in our body. So I often talk about uh, making sure we're conscious of when we're holding stress mm-hmm. in our body because we yeah. embody it. And it is then doing something in our body that may be very negative. There's a reason the word embody is used, right? Because it's mm-hmm. in body. I mean, I know yeah. it's M body. M body. But yeah. And then time, what, what kind of pressure? We're like so focused. Here's another one of the big three. We're so focused. There's not enough time, not enough time. Does anyone feel like there's enough time? Right. There wasn't enough time for us to read this book before we did this podcast, right? <sighs> but somehow we're here and we're discussing it. So if you think about it, 
everything worked out, right? Time is an illusion anyway, right? So if you're immersed in something you love to do, you don't know any time has passed you by. You don't even know you have a body, right? You are so in the zone. Imagine driving, you forget that you're driving and you're just like, how the hell did I get here, right? Right. Perfect example. Everybody's done it. But it it becomes an illusion. So if people keep saying, well, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough time, then you're never going to have enough time. You're telling your body you don't have enough time. So you start stressing in your body because you're like, oh, my God, I don't have enough time. And I think this is such a low-hanging fruit because I think we can retrain in in a little impactful way by starting to question that. Just notice when it's, I don't have enough time and and that your ego is making you nervous about that. And then say, I have plenty of time. And even if you feel like that's a lie. I have plenty of time. Just try that counter. It's so funny. Yeah. It's so funny that we're talking about this because I was just listening to armchair expert Jerry Seinfeld. And yes. Did loved you, it. Yeah. Didn't he talk yeah. about this? Like, he's like, yes. I don't know what this making time. If, if it's just something you love, you just do it. It's, uh, he did not agree with this whole making time for something you love because if it's, if it's a, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but yeah, he was. So basically, um, they were questioning. He said he talks to his best friend several times a week or whatever, and they were like, "Well, how do you make time for that?" And he's like, "What do you mean?" Like it was just like as as if his heart was beating. He needed to do the things that he does to stay sane and hang with his friends and do all this stuff. And he was so matter of fact about it mm-hmm. that <laughs> he you can almost tell that he thinks like, why doesn't everybody else get this right? Like yeah. that was sort of his attitude about it. It was yeah. it was worth a listen. He's like, I I don't make time to watch football on Sundays is just what I do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Because I love it. Like, because he's not blaming it on time or lack of time. Yeah. Or like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Bingo. Yeah. And you just hit on it. He's saying, we just do. The thinking mind is saying, oh, I need to make time. I need to, it's like making it more complicated than it is. That's why everybody says time is an illusion. Like it's not just made up. I mean, we could see the sunset, but it doesn't set. The earth is just moving past it. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's a good one. Good one, <laughs> Tisha. Yeah. So a good, I like this takeaway too about genes and how your mind and your environment have an impact on your genes about flipping them on and off, activating and deactivating them. Everybody sort of is aware of this phenomenon that if you undergo some kind of strong, emotional, stressful, traumatic event, how your hair can turn gray overnight. Mm -hmm. That's a genetic response. Wow. Yes. That was a really good example that's known, maybe not commonly known, but a known thing. And that's how that works. Yeah. So that is like, I I mean, we didn't get to talk about genes as many notes as I've written. but (laughs) That's why it's like, I think a really good idea to even listen to this book if you're mildly interested in any of this, because there's so many like aha moments. He uh, talked about, you know, how your mood progresses into a temperament to a personality trait to how we are who we are or who we think we are and then that's why we have a midlife crisis because we really haven't been who we want to be we have been who we think we're supposed to be Mm -hmm. did i say that right yeah wow mind-blowing right and i i I don't know books like these and i can't think it was a there was another book that we did um, that was a real sciencey. <laughs> say sciencey. Why woo woo work? Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> that it almost feels like it, some. A lot of it may go over my head, and we are ta- they're talking about quantum physics and particles and atoms and E equals M C squared, and I never really got that. But anyways, <laughs> it almost <laughs> feels you. like a justification of that these things are are real. Not that what you believe in you need a justification of but that we've it's always been science like it's not mm. woo woo it's it's fact and science and it's the eye opening uh amount of conditioning that we've been undergoing our whole lives 
And now you're like, wow. And through really no fault of anybody else's own. It's just like a society as a whole. Because if you start blaming your parents or your grandparents or that uncle, you know, that mean uncle you had, that that's why you have a bad attitude, you're not going to get anywhere because you're just going to be like, oh, it's it's his fault, not mine. So I, I can't change it. All right. I want to say this for Juanita. This is my personal observation after something he said. Well, first he said that we can condition the body to live in the future. Once it becomes an experience, it results in an emotion. And so my, I actually wrote my observation about this is that the same way you feel anxiety about a negative future event, so you're catastrophizing as I do, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the same way you can make your body feel joy about a positive future event, right? So this is what I've been practicing all this week with the mantra of what if it turns out better than I could imagine? Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's just been so like, it's do it for a week. Like I know people are like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then they don't. And that's your call. (laughs) You do whatever. I'm just encouraging you to consider that with that mantra. What if it turned out better than I can imagine? Okay. So say that again. Make your body feel joy. So the same way you make your, the same way you feel anxiety about a negative future event. So you have a talk and you're scared and you have anxiety before it even happens. Change that to the joy you're going to feel about something that's happening. Even if you don't really know what it is, just like a general, oh my God, something amazing is going to happen. Like if it's just broad in general and just think about the joy that you feel. Like I have actively been doing that every minute of the day (laughs) and it is a process but i don't know it works yeah that well that is um that connects to the one of the other things i wrote down is that you don't need a reason to feel uh love or gratitude uh gratitude or or joy it doesn't you can feel it without it being like i'm feeling gratitude because this happened yeah you know yeah you just feel gratitude and then Something happens. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think people think that they have to just feel whatever's coming to them. But what, what we need to know is that the brain is going to go to the negative more often than the positive. So to, to interrupt you real quick for two, so two examples of what we're just talking about that happened to me this week. And, uh, I have to go soon because I'm supposedly working. Hopefully no one from my job is listening right now. But anyways, I, <laughs> we won't say what day I actually. <laughs> Mom's the Yes, I am. <laughs> You're going to work an hour early later, today. Right? <laughs> this okay. is my lunch break. All of that stuff. <laughs> um, so I had to, it was National Smokeout Day and our tobacco cessation person um, had to take some FMLA. So who speaks up? She's like, oh, I, you know, we have um, a proclamation with our representative of our state representative. And it's like one or two sentences. And I'm like, oh, I'll do it. Well, here it turns out there's media that's going to be there. It's like oh, two full paragraphs. <laughs> so now I'm like freaking out, freaking out, practicing. I'm anxious. I get there. I make it through the words. We see the proclamation. My part got totally cut out of it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> then we have our, our presentation for our departments to our board of directors. I'm practicing. I'm going over the slides. The meeting goes over time. I do like, I don't know, maybe two of the eight slides I'm supposed to do. And they cut us off and the meeting's over. So I've wasted all that anxiety over nothing. <laughs> now, let me ask you, were you disappointed when it got cut? But also you had this sort of a mindset ahead of time, like, why do I have to do this? I don't want to do this. And then when it got cut, you're like, oh, man, I was ready. Right. <laughs> Even though I was anxious about it. But then I was like, oh, OK. Yeah. I want to add another part. You might have actually created it. That's I'm going to go further I'm here. Asking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You might have created it to fall off. The other day, I was feeling so fatigued, so just crashing fatigued, tired, feeling awful. And all my appointments started to cancel and shift. And so we, this, 
amazing if we really stop and pay attention. So it's interesting. Next time you have something like that, do the experiment of imagining how great it's going to feel when you do that or to be in the spotlight. It's going to feel great to be in the spotlight. I'm going to read this and I'm going to be a part of this and then see if you don't get cut (laughs) and that it does feel good. And then you can start building on that. So, but you're right in the, in the first phase of it was that you realized that you wasted a lot of time fretting for no reason. But I do believe that some of your fretting may have just cut them out as opportunities for you by putting that <laughs> out into the the vibe you right. had out there. That's and true. that next time, if you're shifting the vibe, see how that goes. And, okay. and maybe write down the nuggets that you've like go through all your book notes or whatever, or listen to re-listen to the podcast of Off the Shelf and pick out those nuggets and then write those like on a index card and put them where you can see them. Because I'm guilty of this too. Like I leave everything in my notebook so I can find the notes when we're doing the show. And then I immediately forget about them. And I don't. And then I go back and look and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was brilliant. You know? (laughs) After we're done recording. (laughs) I was just doing that today when I was trying to find my notes for today. I'm like glancing through the our old notes like oh that was really good yes so so he he, i know we're gonna go soon but he was talking about survival and creation and survival mode is when you're just obsessing about the future or the past and then we just are always constantly living in some kind of anticipatory anticipatory stress remembering stress from the past and all that stuff so kim and i have been talking about love this month and love is the highest vibration You know, the lowest vibration is anger, fear, judgment, all of that. So when you think about the energy radiating out of the side of your body, Mm -hmm. like constantly think about yourself like that. Start thinking about other people like that. Yeah. You know, because it really takes the the sting out of a lot of stuff. Like somebody's got you nervous. Just imagine them like a big ball of vibrating, you know, (laughs) nothingness. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Can I quote you on that? Just imagine them as a big ball of vibrating nothingness. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So we know that our thoughts can make us sick. Our thoughts can heal us. Our thoughts can change our future. You know, maybe they say the past too, but let's not go there. Like, let's just stay in the present and think forward. I I really have to wrap my head around all of that kind of. stuff um i don't know if there was anything else that was like absolutely oh my gosh i have to say this i want to say i do have one thing that i want to wanted to make sure that i said i immediately thought of my grandparents um and in that example where people in the future were praying for people in the past so technically we Mm. can assume that happens the other way around. And so it made me feel so good that the prayers of my grandparents are still blessing me today. Yeah. Even there, even though they've gone on to wherever we go on to (laughs) and they're not physically here on earth with, with us anymore. But I know for a fact that they prayed for me and, and I, it made me smile that they, that those prayers are still you know, blessing my life today. And on and on the woo-woo side, you know, their energy is still here. Maybe their energy yeah. is like when you feel those mm-hmm. moments of remembering them, their energy is like intermingling with yours, right? Mm-hmm. So like it's such a good visual when you start constantly having that in like that thought pattern in your mind really makes it a lot easier to kind of stay there. Mm-hmm. He was talking about when you drive a car, you don't learn, you don't just come out of the womb knowing how to drive a car, right? So when you first start driving a car, you always have to think about what you're doing. Steering, braking, putting the gas. Oh my gosh, where's the cars? That's a lot of anxiety for 16 year olds, but right. So you have to yeah. do that. And then eventually, you know, you just practice it until one day you're just driving and every one of your movements is so automatic that you don't even think about it. And it's the same with all of these kind of practices where you go directly from, you know, thinking about who you want to be into being who you are. Wow. I know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> check, check, check. Yes. And if I would say just on as, as a final thought too, if you're someone that wants like a workbook type style for him to guide you through new practices, it's in this book. It's here. And if you like a lot of science backing things up, 
it's here. If you don't, you can read it quicker and just have an appreciation for some of that stuff. But you know how I love hearing words in a different perspective. And then I'm like, it changes like the whole game. So the word of this book was reminding. Mm -hmm. You're always reminding yourself of what you need to do. That's a t-shirt Ooh, too. That's You're good. Just, well, no. yeah, I mean, I'm going to have a boutique <laughs> oh, yeah. by the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah. So think about it. You know, you're always reminding. I'm reminding myself that I should meditate today or I'm reminding that I should focus on love instead of that idiot at the grocery store or whatever. What I mean, especially now, like it's going to be the holidays and we're going to be possibly around a lot of people that perhaps we need to continually remind ourselves mm -hmm. <laughs> that there's some good there too, right? Right. Having grace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having, having grace, grace all the time instead of just before Thanksgiving dinner, right? Right. Yes. Another t-shirt. Yeah. Another t-shirt. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Woof. Feeling good. That was awesome. Yeah. I thought so too. That brings us to the conclusion <laughs> of our episode, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. We appreciate you listening. If you have any questions about our interpretation of the book, reach out at slightlyunmeditated.com, social media, or email us at goodvibes at slightlyunmeditated.com. Uh, I just want to say I don't know that we're going to do a book for December. We may just carry over to January because I think we all need a break. This is our 11th episode. I cannot believe that we have done this every single month. So thank you both for showing up all the time <laughs> for reading and chatting. You got it. This is always great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm Tisha. I'm Juanita. And I'm Kim. And we'll see you next time. 